Mercy. You compete at the highest levels. You make a lot of money. That's the success you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, cool. But then your bed is still empty. Yeah, my bed is still empty. Okay, so let's really talk about success then. I'm Esco, and this is the Self-Awakened Lifestyle. I'm a lifestyle designer and performance coach. I've helped hundreds of professionals learn how to tap into the power of their innate potential and thrive on a whole new level. I've seen lives change, I've seen my own life change, and I wanna help more people. That's what this podcast is all about, bringing my own experience together with scientific principles and holistic practices to help listeners enhance their personal and professional performance. In each episode, I guide my guests through a difficult issue or challenge, and through the mind-body-spirit connection, we will expand what's possible. So on previous episodes, we talked about my relationship with women while I was a drug dealer. And there was this idea about me interacting what might be called a civilian. And a civilian is anybody who is not engaged in those activities and not engaged in the peripheral activities, like they're not a stripper, for example. They would never drive your car while, you know, transporting drugs. They would never hold your gun in their apartment. And you would feel terrible for inviting them into any of those activities. There was this woman, her name was Crystal, beautiful young woman. She had two children. She was my neighbor, actually. She lived very close to me. And one thing led to another really fast. And it was a relationship and it was very intimate. It was very nurturing, very caring. She became part of the team. We talk about this, where somebody like myself has a team of women who serve a certain purpose and they can fall under the umbrella of a human pet, like pet my wounds and make me feel better, stuff like that. And the interesting thing about Crystal is we engaged in this relationship for a few years and um, she saw all the good. She saw all the bad, meaning she saw various women coming in and out of the apartment and her feelings were hurt. So a memory that stands out between me and Crystal was she shares with her mother who I am. And what I do, her mother's like, yo, who's this new guy in your life? And what's, you know, what's going on? She's like, ma, you know, I know I get it. You're not going to approve. But Esco is a drug dealer. And I mean, I had a key to her apartment. And so I come over, I visit her and her mother's sitting there. And her mother's like, hey, I'm Crystal's mother. And it's very nice to meet you. She's very, very kind. It's just, I just want to let you know, Crystal told me about you and what you do. And I'm not going to say that I approve, but I know she really cares about you. I just want to make sure you take care of her and keep her safe and keep her children safe. The level of anger and disgust that I felt in that moment 
it's really hard to describe. I was offended. I was like, what? Like, why would you tell your mother? So I put on my mask. I'm like, okay, thank you. And I get up. I take the key. I take it off my key ring and I place it on the table. And I walk out the apartment in front of her mother's face, in front of Crystal's face, and just leave. Crystal runs behind me. I'm like, yo. And I'm like yelling at her, cursing at her. Um, to essentially like hurt her as much as I can to get her away from me, to create a boundary. And my car is in the parking lot. She like chases me all the way down, crying, please, please. Like I had to tell her, like trying to explain herself. It got really dramatic where she's like grabbing my leg and I'm dragging her. It's like, like a weird movie. I'm like dragging her down the street on my leg. Like, get off me. I, you know, I never would hit a woman. But it was almost like an abusive situation where I did not stop. I'm like dragging her down the street on my leg. Um, so obviously we break up. I continue with my behavior and my approach until 2003, Halloween, where I get the letter. And the letter in the mail, 10 pages thick, at the end of the page, Esco, your motion to suppress the evidence is denied. So that letter for me was the end. Like, I am definitely going to prison. I'm definitely going to a federal institution. There's no way I'm going to beat this case. And my drug dealing days are over. About a week or so after that, the wounded animal that I am, like, destroyed psychologically, emotionally, very, very scared comes humbly back to Crystal. And, and we had stopped for like a year. And I go right back to Crystal. And she pulls me in. And the level of peace and comfort that I felt spending time with her, being with her, is the beginning of my transformation towards accepting all that I did and a new possibility. It was the beginning of me seeing a certain light at the end of this huge dark tunnel, this level of peace and love and nurturing. It did not come from my family, even though my family cared for me unconditionally. This level of peace came from Crystal and laying in the bed with her, telling her about I heard I am crying in front of her, confessing all these thoughts that I was having in my head, and she was there to listen to them. So somebody that I treated terribly in many ways that ended in that moment where I spent some time with her. She helped me begin my process towards healing. And I strongly believe she would have stayed with me throughout my entire jail sentence, which would have been five years. But I decided not to put her through that. And I just uh, kept it moving and I let her be. And I haven't heard from her since. I wish her the best. So I'm sharing this story because it's a story about, you know, men, macho men, raging bulls, running around, breaking things, acting real aggressive, trying to conquer things. And what happens when a certain level of vulnerability, a certain level of pain a certain level of sorrow emerges from, you know, the men that we believe that we are. 
and the women that are there to take care of us, to nurture us with a certain type of energy, a certain type of compassion. It's very, very interesting. And do we allow ourselves to embrace that type of relationship, to cultivate that type of energy from the beginning of the engagement versus waiting until we're wounded and broken and then we're in need of nurturing and caring. So let's see what happens. So I shared this story about my past with a beautiful young woman who took care of me when I was in pain to help introduce our guest today. His name is Julio. And the reason I brought Julio to the show is he's a representation of a client that had a transformation during the moment of disagreement between he and I. We had decided to end this relationship where I was not going to be his coach. And something happened inside of him, a self-reflection, a self-awakening, which was very, very powerful. After a brief divorce between he and I, he reached out. But this time he was ready. He was ready to be his own guru, his own transformation coach. All he needed was a reflection of his true self. Instead of asking me to save him, our new agreement is based on partnership. In this episode, we'll explore the concept of partnership and agreements and the manifestation of life far beyond what our intellects can conceptualize. How do you feel? Good. Yeah? I feel like I need a break. Okay, so let's sit comfortable in the body. Let's breathe together just for a brief moment. Co-regulation, me and you, brother, we're partners in this. I really appreciate you stepping up, showing out, and let's have a nice conversation. Let's explore. So let's just take a few breaths. There's no rush. When you're ready, so very recently, I guess in the past couple of hours, something happened for you. Talk to me about that. So I don't know if I told you that I went to Louisiana. Yes. So I went to Louisiana for work, but in the process, I met a friend of mine over there. She's actually the one that did my tattoo. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, okay. How detailed can we get with this one? <laughs> and uh, so I did my thing for work, and then I met up with her. She lives on a boat on a river in Louisiana. It was nothing serious, nothing happened. We had a good time. You know, we've been talking ever since. She texts me like maybe a, a day or two days after I come back. And then she said, oh, you know, the owner of my boat said they want to sell the boat, so I have to move. They want me to move. I'm like, okay. I think New York is calling me. New York, then, is calling, New York is calling her? Yeah, that's what she's saying. New York City? New York City. And then today, right, she sent me a message. She goes, oh my God, like 
all these clients from New York City are calling me. Tattoo clients. I'm assuming. I didn't ask. Okay. And then my response to that was, you know, do what you feel is called and then and it will happen. Right? And right before the podcast, I'm I'm having dinner downstairs. Uh-huh. And she she's like, Can I give you a call? Uh-huh. Sure. And she goes, so, and then she was kind of like beating around the bush. I'm like, spill it. What do you want to, what do you, what do you want to ask? She goes, so, <laughs> you know, I was wondering if you could help me, help me with my move to New York. I'm like, all right, what do you want, what you need me to help you with a mover? Or what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. She goes, no, um, can you help me find a place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could speak to a couple of people to see if they could find a place for you. Mm-hmm. She goes, no, no, you're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where am I missing? She goes, can you help me find a place? I need to be focused on my work for like six or seven months. I don't need to worry about bills. Mm-hmm. Can you help me with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said to her, so you want me to, you want me to be a sugar daddy? For six or seven months. <laughs> she started laughing. She goes, no, well, it won't be a sugar daddy because it'll, it'll be an exchange. You know, you're going to give and I'm going to give. I'm like, what? so what are you going to give back? She goes, tattoos. Tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> tattoos. Um, Where are you going to put the tattoos? <laughs> for six I'm months. Like, how, six months. How many, ta- how many tattoos are you? I'm gonna get in six months. <laughs> a lawyer in New York City, all tatted up. Why not? You know. <laughs> so, if it ain't tattoos, what is it? She goes, uh, you know, energy work, meditation. Okay. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, all right. You know me. I didn't say like, nah. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I ain't doing that. I was like, all right, let's see. We can figure something out. Okay. So that's just happened for you just now. It's an opportunity. That's what it sounds like. Opportunity for who? For me or her? <laughs> I think it's an opportunity for you. For what? For you. What, to, to say no? Yeah, you are learning, my friend. You are learning. Can we get into the details of this situation? You feel comfortable with that? Yeah, it's fine. How you meet this person? Um, she, um, so you know Andrea, right? Who is Andrea? Andrea was the girl that I was seeing a little bit that I brought to your studio. We did a yoga session together. Andrea and I, uh, at the moment, I mean, I don't know what we have, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So you have Andrea. You've been involved with Andrea for how long? About a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. This woman with the tattoos, this is Andrea's friend? Associate? Friend. Okay. So I'm just curious. What's the conversation between Andrea and the lady with the tattoo? What do you think the conversation was? Like, how did she get the calling from New York to present this proposition? Like, where did she get this idea planted in her head? Oh, yeah. No, no, this this would be crazy. No, this would be crazy. Yeah, but you're contemplating it. This is a beautiful opportunity for you to see the obvious. The obvious madness. So Julio, 
when we think about this man, think of the lone wolf, the entrepreneur. He kills what he eats. He protects himself and his loved ones. When he comes home from the hunt, he wants to be nurtured. He wants to be nurtured somatically in his body. He wants to be nurtured passionately. He's a lawyer. He has his own firm. His mind is always on go. He's very fashionable. He loves high fashion. He really adores attractive women that speak the language of seduction. They know how to tease a man with a smile, a certain gesture, beautiful cars, interior decorating, exotic vacations. All of that makes it worthwhile. The effort, the hours, the disappointment, the stress of his profession. All of this is fueling a self-concept born under the legacy of machismo, macho. He's of Colombian descent. So Andrea, very attractive woman. She's a yoga practitioner. She's tall and lean and elegant, graceful. She's the woman that is facilitating plant-based medicine rituals. She wants to live her life free and creative and live in an energy that is intuitive and heartfelt. And it can be very challenging to survive financially. And that's one of the roles that Julio feels very comfortable playing. So what happens when Julio is asking for more? Okay, we've been at this for over a year. I think things are going well and I want to make you my queen. And Andrea disapproves of the energy that Julio brings into her realm as it relates to his profession and his desire for extreme levels of financial success and playing by those rules and engaging in that sport. So she rejects, not a strong rejection, but no, I'm not ready. I need space. I need time. I need to think about it. Julio doesn't accept that. And he asked her to leave. But again, not expunging the relationship 100%. She still has access to financial support. And the idea is wait and see what happens. Is she still swiping the IMAX card? Is she still in need of my support? Because as long as she is in need of my support, Julio feels that there's an opportunity. Andrea has a community and the tattoo girl was flown in, a friend of Andrea, to give Julio a ritual of a tattoo, a beautiful symbol placed on his back and not done in like a tattoo parlor kind of way. There's music, there's meditation. There's a whole ritual involved with the artistry of placing the tattoo on Julio's back. And somehow, some way, there's an energy exchange between Julio and the tattoo girl, which months later leads to Julio visiting her in Louisiana. 
That'd be crazy. I don't know this chick from a hole in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she know you the sugar daddy. That's what I'm saying. She know you the sugar daddy. And this is your opportunity. Change that identity. If you want. I do want that. No more sugar daddiness. Talk to me about that. How you feel about being known as the sugar daddy? Man, I think that, I think I've been way too generous, but uh, no, nah, that's not, that's not a good look. I don't want that. Let's talk about social bonding rituals mm-hmm. and partnerships, meaning you favor a certain type of woman. What kind? The kind that's open to being sponsored. I'll also say you fear a woman who doesn't need to be sponsored. So here's your opportunity. You can take a first step. It is an opportunity. I think that I'm, I'm going to, I have to be strategic about it. Like I said to her, oh, let's see, we'll figure something out. But in my mind is already like, this, this girl's crazy. So I'm going to ease my way into that. Ease my way into saying, no, nah, I can't do that. So here's my response to that. Mm-hmm. Before I give my response, what frequency are you putting out? Like what vibration are you putting out? Like why? I, there's no woman that would come and ask me to sponsor them. What do you hear me saying? Let's make sure we're on the same page. What are you saying? I mean, you know, clearly when you're giving off a type of vibration where someone feels comfortable mm-hmm. to ask you to sponsor them right you know there's there's no depth in that there's this is not philanthropy just so we understand i'm paying your bills and in return there's a certain power dynamic that's established right so what's not working i think that maybe i don't give myself enough credit okay talk to me about that i think that i overcompensate i'm very competitive Mm-hmm. So I'm realizing I'm not really competing with anybody. I'm competing with myself. I guess to show myself that someone will put me in that category as the sugar daddy. Mm. Because then that will give me the perception of that I got it. What you got? That I'm successful. Okay. So you're successful at what? What's the measure? Money. Okay. So you go out, you're a lawyer, you compete, you compete at the highest levels, you make a lot of money. That's the success you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, good. But then your bed is still empty. Yeah, my bed is still empty. Okay, so let's really talk about success then. Tell me about success. I think success is being true to yourself, realizing who you are, being happy with who you are. Mm-hmm. and being able to accept others who accept you for who you are. Okay, acceptance of the true Julio. Mm-hmm. The Julio that is open, that can be vulnerable. The Julio that even if his business completely fails, there's something of value about this Julio. Mm-hmm. What's beyond acceptance? Never mind swiping the card. Never mind his professional success. Never mind any of that. 
I'm with Julio because I love who he is. Okay. Love. So in a relationship with a woman who has zero concern about swiping the IMAX card, mm-hmm. who has zero concern about her survival needs, mm-hmm. who is only concerned about co-creation with this person that she knows as Julio. Tell me what you see in a woman like that, in a relationship like that. I mean, I think I'd have to change my mind frame about women in general. Do you believe you are lovable? No. Okay. I think that I am lovable, but I think that I'm looking in the wrong places, so to speak. So I guess it's the point I'm trying to stress. I love it. So I love it because when you say I'm looking in the wrong places, external love, that's what I'm hearing. So Julio is going to have a challenge trying to establish the type of relationship that can explore the unknown. Because that Julio looks outward, meaning if something goes wrong, it's somebody else caused this situation and this is how it impacts me and this is how I respond. There's an external projection of disappointment. There's an anger. There's a need to blame other people. Why? To protect himself. Protect himself from what? Confessing. Many times I'm weak. Many times I'm incapable. Many times I'm unorganized. If he's in it with an inability to do that, to self-reflect, to take internal responsibility for the life that's being created in front of him, then there's an inability to partner with somebody that would allow him to make mistakes and still move forward and learn from them. So if I'm not going to allow myself to be vulnerable and make mistakes, then yes, I need to show up in my power, which is I can make some money and I need to associate with people who are blinded by that power and stay in relationship to them in that one domain of who I am versus cultivating and developing other domains. The beauty of this episode, the beauty of my interaction with Julio is when we got divorced. I think many things were happening for him, but one of the things that I saw, and that relates to what we're talking about, is a self-reflection. You know what? I do want to continue this relationship. This is what Julio was saying to himself in his mind. And he humbled himself and he reaches out and becomes very vulnerable. He said, yo, I made the mistake. I want to move forward. What does that look like? Very, very powerful. That's a completely different type of identity from the raging bull, from the macho man. It's, I can do all of that. I'm very independent. I'm very strong, but I'm also dynamic enough. I have this huge expanded self-concept, this big level of self-esteem that I'm actually willing to tell another man who I'm in disagreement with that I made a mistake. That's the frequency that allow him, in my opinion, to sit with a powerful woman 
and build something new from scratch. Explore complexity, knowing that there'll be mistakes, but you're invited to make mistakes. That individual who can humble themselves and be in that edge of I'm constantly making mistakes, I'm constantly showing how incapable I am, only to reveal how much I can learn and grow, that's the one who can invite a very powerful partner into his life. He has the ability to open up and expand way beyond the man that he presents himself to be. And in that expansion, so many opportunities for beauty in a relationship that taps into an energy that is very transformative and transcendent is waiting for him. It's okay if you're afraid to to, to kind of go through the process of accepting yourself for who you are. It's okay to be nervous about that. It's okay to have to dig through the initial disappointment like, this is really me. And you know what? I really do love myself. And not fake, but really love yourself, all of yourself, all your disappointments, all the things that you might disagree with about yourself. You're still willing to provide support and nurturing to all those parts of you, love of self, to the point where it overflows unconditionally. That's a frequency. That's a vibrational frequency being pushed out. I love myself so much it spills out all around me. That way people around you can receive that love. And then you ask yourself, who am I associating with? Who am I allowing to receive this love of self that's spilling out all around me unconditionally? I got much respect. I got much love for you, brother. And I got your back. You know what I'm saying? And got a lot of respect for you, bro. We've been through our ups and downs. You know what I mean? We divorced each other how many times? (laughs) I was wrong. Bottom line. I think that at the end of the day, you got to value, you got to value relationships. And um, I think that, you know, you always got to admit when you're wrong or when you overreact. It had nothing to do with you. And I think you knew that too. One of the biggest thing about being a man is you have to, you know, when you're wrong, admit you're wrong. Mm. Take it like a man, apologize, mm. and, uh, you know, keep it moving. You know, mm. I think that a lot of people, you know, you get more respect like that. Mm. You, know, mm. you admit that you're wrong, you apologize, and you mean it, and uh, you learn from your experience. Yeah, I respect that. Man, woman, whatever, the ability to look in the mirror and be vulnerable in the way that you are vulnerable. So how does that person show up and participate in the relationships you create with women? That person who's willing to be vulnerable, that person who has a certain philosophy, who's building something bigger for himself. I mean, it's a matter of having trust. I think that when you and I, yeah, we had a disagreement, some sort of misunderstanding or whatever, but. I knew at the end of the day that I trusted your work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I trusted your intentions. I think when you're talking about women in my life or we're bringing women in my life, it's a matter of, it's about learning how to trust. Trusting the intention. I have trouble doing that. So, hold that. Trusting their intentions. So, use me as a model. What did my behavior say about my intentions? about who I am. It's not only your behavior, it's your whole energy, the, the whole experience itself. Right. The frequency I put out. Yes. The frequency. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yes. That's exactly. 
Okay? This is who I am. This is who we are. This is the vibration we put out. And I don't have to say a word because my behaviors speak for me. So let's adopt that model for a second. There's an intuitive vibrational feel. There's behaviors that we're watching in a woman that tell us, yeah, I can move forward in a very powerful way with that energy, with those set of behaviors, with that person who's representing themselves without having to say a word. 100%. As I meditate and reflect on my interactions with Julio, one of the things that stands out is my relationship to him had been, not now, but had been almost like a big brother, little brother. I'm poking him, I'm teasing him. And now that I think about it, I'm not sure how that impacted his ego. I'm not sure what internal narrative emerged from that presentation. A presentation that was born from football, it was from my younger days. I think when I was very young, super macho guy. I was typically the best athlete. I was a lone wolf for sure. Um, Don't need anybody. I do everything myself kind of person. And in prison, oh man, like that was motivating. We would make fun of each other all the time. Like harsh jokes, powerful commentary on each other while we're working out, while we're trying to develop personally. But it was an edge that helped opened up, that helped cut through the situation that we saw ourselves in while we were in prison. So it was laughter, it was, you know, the boys being the boys, camaraderie. And I'm not sure if the person that he was at that time received my presentation in a fun loving manner all of the time there might have been moments where he became very defensive and needed to recoil and needed to protect himself and needed to establish a certain set of behaviors and a certain type of energy that did not allow all that he could be to show up and grow in what i was offering him but now this new person that I'm dealing with, meaning not only Julio, but the new person that I am, but always, always trying to evolve, always trying to grow. It's a completely different partnership. I'm learning from him. I, I, I hope he's learning from me. It's a whole nother type of agreement. So I think this model of human interaction where two people are trying to stimulate each other to grow is a beautiful model that he could adopt and adjust and reconfigure for what he wants to create with the queen in his life that he wants to bring into his life. Another reflection that stands out for me is in five years from now, so 2027, 2028, who was Julio becoming? The man that I've seen recently and the type of energy that he's putting out and the consistency that he puts out that energy, it's limitless. Before operating in a linear way, you could calculate, yeah, all right, it makes sense. This type of progression, this type of probability of success will more than likely lead to year one forecast, 
year three projection. By year five, there's a vision of what his life could look like. He's a different creature now. He's putting things together in the unknown. He's able to meditate. He's having conversations about breathing techniques, how to enhance his sleep, practicing different feeding rituals, engaging in a level of self-care that does not require somebody else. He's taking care of himself. I think that this will expand his consciousness so that he can explore things that he never thought that he didn't understand, personally, for sure. And that just resonates with me. That gives me chills up and down my spine. So in five years, who knows? But I strongly believe it'll be a beautiful journey. It's a dream that's being manifested by something deeper inside of him, a spiritual dream that comes to life, almost like a heaven on earth. That's the man that I'm seeing right now. I'm Esco Wilson, and you've been listening to The Self-Awakened Lifestyle. You can find out more about me at selfawakenedlifestyle.com. I'd like to thank Julio for coming on the show today. The Self-Awakened Lifestyle is part of Mercy FM Podcast Network, which also includes shows like Soul Savvy Business and Just Between Coaches. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer. And post-production was by Post Office Sound. So you don't miss upcoming episodes. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like the show, please leave a five-star review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.